Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgan Dorks, a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. Uh, I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. Uh, and today we are looking at season one, episode one, Esteemsters. Unlike the unaired Daria pilot we covered in our pilot episode, this one actually made it to air, premiering on March 3rd, 1997. And it was written by series producer and co-creator Glenn Eichler. As with just about everything uh, we we're going to talk about in this podcast run, I'm kind of curious as to how our differing approaches to the series end up impacting what we think of this as like the official pilot. As someone who watched the series you know, as it aired and is familiar with the entirety of the series, it's kind of weird going back and seeing where everybody started in terms of their character and in terms of their demeanor and their voice acting. We have a whole lot of characters in here who are going to be completely different by the time we get to the end of the series. Uh, so it's a little like going back and seeing a Bizarro Universe first episode, or it's like that episode of Sliders where they go back to Earth, quote-unquote, <laughs> and there's just like one thing wrong. But for me, this is all new. Yeah. So Fresh you have no idea. Yeah, you have no clue. <laughs> I do think Esteemsters is a, is a solid introduction to this world uh, as an episode, uh, though it's definitely kind of rough around the edges. It has sort of that MTV animation tinge to it. Okay. Uh, so there's going to be plenty of time for us to talk about all of that, um, but for now, we should get into our beat by beat. So the series opens in a car on the way to school. Uh, and we're introduced to Daria Morgendorfer, her sister Quinn, and her father Jake. So right away, we have the very first of the many, many, many songs throughout this show's run that will not survive the licensing-induced purge for later versions on DVD and VHS. Uh, it's Dishwalla's Charlie Brown's Parents playing over the radio as Jake's talking to the girls about how tough it can be moving to a new town and starting over in a new school, especially for someone as socially challenged as Daria. Quinn's disinterested and turns the radio up. Jake turns it down in order to talk back to Daria, who just turns the radio back up. Right off the bat, we kind of get the dynamics between these three. Jake is, is kind of an aloof, goofy guy. He's trying to say the right things, but he's not really in tune with the situation at yeah, all. Yeah, he strikes me as an enthusiastic but unaware father. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to do the right thing. He just has no idea what that is yes. because he doesn't know his daughters at all. <laughs> and that's a that's a theme that we're going to see pretty much throughout the series in in both of the parents. I think Helen is is much and maybe we should just talk about Helen a little bit later. <laughs> that is something we're going to see kind of throughout the series and and Jake in particular is one of those characters whose negative traits just get more and more exaggerated as time goes on so he becomes like even more of a hothead and even more aloof and even more unaware and and in some in some cases that works out really well there are a lot of really good jake moments um but there are other cases where watching it today it's kind of weird and not fun okay like he seems like he would not be very fun to have as a as a father sometimes right right now he seems tolerable yes <laughs> in this in this 15 seconds yes. he seems okay 
You can just kind of, you know, just go, oh, that's dad, and leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, All right, dad. So with uh, Three Doors Down's Kryptonite now playing in the background, uh, they get to school just as Jake is telling them about how it can take a while to get adjusted and make new friends. Quinn leaves the car and is immediately befriended by Sandy and Stacy, uh, who we will really get to know much more later. Right now, they're kind of unnamed. Are they part of the fashion yes, club? Yes, okay. they are part of the fashion club. While Daria, backed by Tracy Bonham's Sharks Can't Sleep, walks straight through the gathering crowd. I think we get a, good, a pretty good idea of the characters in this scene. I think that the comment that Daria makes to her dad uh, about looking out for Quinn mm-hmm. is is good. <laughs> because it, it, it seems like he's actually somewhat concerned that Quinn isn't going to make friends. Yeah. And as soon as she's out the door, you know... She's accosted. Hey, she's- cool name. No, her name is actually quite dorky. <laughs> I never really thought about that, but yeah, Quinn is kind of a... She's a medicine woman. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Not that Daria is a particularly hip name either. But... In any time. It has more strength, I think, than Quinn. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, so the the cut shot that we get... Uh, that's not a term. Cut shot. That's not a thing. Um, <laughs> the shot that we get of Jake and Daria in the car after Quinn leaves, where it's kind of looking toward the school... Yes. Is the first example of many that we're going to get throughout the series of the people who animated this thing have no idea how to handle the space inside a vehicle. Yeah, I've noticed that on several occasions. If I remember correctly, in this particular scene, the car just looks really big. Yeah. It looks like a room. Yeah. And the, well, this shot in particular where like Daria is sitting there talking to her dad after Quinn leaves the car, it's like they took one entire side of the car away. Yeah. So you see like the side of Jake's seat and like the floor near it. It's like it's like it's a set. And it's yes. just sort of we're cutting in on it. Uh, and yeah, that's going to happen over and over and over again. I, I don't think anybody ever really figured out how to draw the inside of a car. It's like when everybody is dining on the same side of the table in television. Yeah. Why? Why do oh, that? Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> or it's like the um, that shot of you know two people talking dramatically and one of them turns away so that they can both be facing the camera and we can see both their faces <laughs> so that we know what they're doing, but nobody actually talks like that. Nope. This is the first time where we see Daria interacting with a large crowd and she's really not interacting, right? She oh, just yeah. walks straight, just straight through. through. Um, and the crowd that's gathering to say hi to Quinn. Right, exactly. And and so they don't notice her, and she just becomes invisible. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and you know, there's a, a bit of sadness about that, I guess. A little but, bit, yeah. I mean, but we, we know from the conversation in the car to kind of expect that. Yeah. It would be very easy to cast this very first scene as a pretty depressing thing. Um, but she has enough attitude where you don't feel bad for her. Right. You just kind of sympathize, like, oh, I could be that person. Right. So inside the school, which is Lawndale High, not modern day high as it was in our unaired pilot, Principal Ms. Lee is giving a tour of sorts to a handful of incoming students, Daria and Quinn included. Uh, Incoming students, it turns out, are required to go through a, quote, small psychological exam to spot any clouds on the horizon, unquote. I mean, that's Miss Lee. 
it's kind of it's the first glimpse we get of her and her authoritarian it's incredibly invasive oh extraordinarily invasive with nerf herders van halen playing in the background dari and quinn are taking their psychological exam together during which they're shown a silhouette of two people talking and they're asked what they see quinn paints a vivid picture of teenage dating gone awry while daria who gets called dara twice by the psychologist uh refuses to play ball she uh she plays it off as if it's a rorschach test Mm -hmm. but it's not no it's obviously (laughs) yeah it is very clearly a picture of two people talking yes um, she just doesn't want to have that conversation. No, she doesn't feel like it. And the uh, a herd of beautiful wild ponies running free across the plains is going to come up much later. Which is it's what she full says. Circle kind the of two thing. people talking. Are yeah, that's uh, yeah. Daria says the Daria first says that the picture is of a herd of beautiful wild ponies running free across the plains. And when she is told no, it's two people talking, she says, "Okay, fine. It's two people talking." about a herd of beautiful wild ponies running free across the plains. Yeah. I think that joke landed pretty well, but I think some yeah. of the other jokes that she has earlier in in the scene just didn't really land. No. Um, like the commentary during the... Uh, my brain is done today. The, uh, the walkthrough? <laughs> yeah. I think you like the SOS commentary- girl overboard. Yeah, the commentary dur- during the walkthrough of the school is meh. she She goes, uh-oh, SOS girl overboard. Is yeah. that a reference to something I don't know about? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder how that joke could have been better. Wait, does it need just complete rewriting or is there a reaction that's needed in the scene that would make it better almost have to because the the actual like the delivery is very stilted like it's It's pretty daria though yeah well i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) i don't really know daria that well (laughs) it is pretty daria um it it has kind of this it sounds like she is reading the line does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does make sense. Something else just occurred to me as well. Um, that comment isn't directed at anybody in particular. No, she's just standing there talking. Yeah. At the voice. So, I mean, a lot of her quips are actually directed towards people, something mm. they're actually saying. And the funny, the funny part of it is that she's they're not listening to her right Mm -hmm. um or they completely misunderstand her here you know it's not directed to anybody and it just gets lost and 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 also i mean this is you know this is before we meet jane this is so she really doesn't have anybody to talk to so maybe the joke doesn't land on purpose Hmm. i don't i don't know Yeah, she doesn't even, like, lean to the person next to her. Like, there's no... Because she is standing next to someone. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't She doesn't do any leaning. She doesn't, like, acknowledge anybody else in any way. She's just kind of talking directly at the camera, more or less. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that they went out of their way to make sure that the psychologist called Daria the wrong name twice. Mm-hmm. To where she was, like... She got corrected. It was like, no, it's Daria. And she goes, oh, okay, Daria. What do you see, Dara? Yes. Which, again, it kind of has that sort of Generation X attitude of the show. These adults don't give a shit. They don't have time for you. Nobody cares. They're just kind of going about their job. So please tell us what the picture says. Yeah. So that we can get out of here. Absolutely. 
In history class, uh, the perpetually close to snapping Mr. DiMartino introduces Daria to the rest of her classmates. Uh, he puts her on the spot by asking her to, quote, concisely and unemotionally summarize Manifest Destiny, uh, which of course she does. DiMartino, pleased, turns to Kevin, as always bedecked in his full football attire, pads included, and asks him a question he's woefully unprepared to answer. DiMartino turns to Kevin's girlfriend, Brittany, bedecked in her full cheerleading attire, who's sitting next to her boyfriend, and appears equally unequipped to answer the teacher's question. Shadow Boxer by Fiona Apple leads us out. So it's always the day of the pep rally <laughs> at Lawndale High. <laughs> it's like the most nightmarish Groundhog Day situation. Really, poor Daria, right? But this is, yeah, so we're meeting we're meeting Mr. DiMartino, we're meeting Kevin, we're meeting Brittany. These are three characters that are going to be with us through the entire run. They're going to be playing a major part. Uh, throughout the series. And we've already met Kevin and Brittany from the from pilot, the pilot. That yeah. did not air. So right. we are familiar with them. And you, our listeners of the podcast, are familiar with them. Um, but they're slightly different here. Kevin's not as ripped. And Brittany... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that's what we... Kevin is not as ripped. Kevin is not as jacked. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin is not the giant pile of man muscle <laughs> that he was in the unaired pilots. We don't get to see his manly chest hair. <laughs> And um, Brittany is not nearly as nightmarish. As oh yeah, this is a in so, the pilot. She's so much more pleasant this yes. time around. Yes, she is. Her voice, uh, and I think I mentioned it in, this, in the last episode too. Her voice here is one of the major details that stands out to me when I talked a little bit earlier about how going back to this first episode is like you know seeing kind of an alternate universe. This she's, is she gets squeakier as time goes on. She gets right? way squeakier. Okay, she is. She is. They lean hard into it. So DiMartino makes everyone jump in these in this scene. Yes, <laughs> everybody jumps whenever he talks uh, because he's got this you know powerful hitting voice, right? Yeah, sometimes. Um, sometimes, if he's not like mumbling quietly, right. he's screaming. He's screaming, and it really it, it made me jump every time that he talked as well. <laughs> it's a little. It's alarming. Like he he's very clearly. A little unhinged mm-hmm. um, in a controlled manner, kind of, I guess. All those no. years dealing with high school teenagers. <laughs> yeah, it's implied that he, it's it's sort of implied that uh, both here and later on, it, it's implied that he is a Vietnam veteran, mm-hmm. um, which being a Vietnam veteran and then a high school history teacher is a real bad double whammy. Yeah, it's not a very good lot in life, is no. it? <laughs> I do think the the line of uh, "Please come back and see me" when you've got a Heisman Trophy and a chain of car dealerships, and I'm <laughs> saving up for a second pair of pants <laughs> is amazing. Yes, uh, there are, there are a couple lines in this pilot that I think end up really sticking out, like over the course of the series. I don't know if that's one of them, but it's up there. I think even if even if we never saw DiMartino again through the rest of the series run, we would know exactly who this guy is. Yes, absolutely. Just from this scene. Um, in this scene, it's established that Daria is um, not only you know witty but smart. She studies and and yeah. she has you know that knowledge of manifest destiny, etc. So character building there her exasperation when nobody else knows the answer and she's like all right fine let's just (laughs) can we move this forward please but of course steve martino is like don't show off yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's so good i love d martino so much every student's worst nightmare (laughs) 
Yes, but as someone who doesn't have him as a teacher, it's it's fantastic. Yes. I would I would love to like audit his classes. <laughs> Just sit there and be amazed at what's going on. This behavior would never be okay. No. In, a, no, in an actual it, classroom. It, it's abusive behavior. Yeah. And it's and it's again kind of like we saw with Ms. Lee, like we saw with uh, the psychologist, like all the adult figures we've seen so far, all of them are problematic. You know, yeah, yes. all, all of them are, are very, very flawed people in very specific ways, and some of them are, are kind of. We're already seeing that identity is a big deal in this show. Like Kevin and Brittany walk around in their football pads and their cheerleading outfit. That didn't come out right, but <laughs> um, you know, Demartino is, is you know he is that kind of lightly unhinged Vietnam vet high school teacher who's just screaming and you know trying to upset people. Misley is an authoritarian. The psychologist doesn't care. Daria's not named, not called Daria. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's neat that we're only, you know, a couple minutes into this pilot and we're already sort of setting the tone for uh, the entire thing, which I mean, I guess is, is the very point of it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's worth keeping that in mind as we, you know, try to determine this episode's value uh, not just in terms of quality, but also in terms of how well does this really set up the rest of the series. True. Back at home, the Morgendorfers are sitting down to dinner. Quinn reveals she was asked to join the pep squad, but turned it down in favor of becoming vice president of the fashion club. Good for her. <laughs> it was not. I, I did not realize that the fashion club happens like immediately. I, it doesn't really become a, a super established thing for, for a little bit, but uh, I do think it, it's great that like, we dive right into it. Yeah, she's vice president of the fashion club. Vice president, too. Did your high school have a fashion club? I don't know. Uh, I have I, no way of knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was a member of a newspaper. We're about as removed from, yeah. from the concept of a fashion club. <laughs> Newspaper, the Daily Fashion. Oh, that's a good newspaper name. The Daily Fashion. It's a good old timey newspaper <laughs> yes. name. Yes, the Daily Fashion. <laughs> All right. Farmer Jones crashes penny farthing. <laughs> Interesting that she's vice president of the fashion club immediately, first day. Walks she's in. So boom. popular. But there's got to be. Was there already a vice president? Well, <laughs> Quinn is obviously super fashionable with okay, her yes. pink smiley face midriff revealing baby tee that she wears all the time with her jeans. And man, those baby tees. Do you think she <laughs> Do you think she owns 14 of those shirts? The closet full. Yeah, of it just those opens pink it up shirts. and it's Yes, I do. <laughs> I absolutely do. I mean, there there are moments where she is like, "Well, I have to get dressed for this party, right?" And she has, <laughs> and she has another outfit. But no, she wears the same thing every day as all the other characters do. Because, oh yeah, you yeah. know, it's a cartoon. Yeah, let's not pick on her too much for that. <laughs> but how does that earn her the vice presidency of the fashion club? It's it's not even a full shirt. <laughs> this is this is something that I don't know if you'll be any more well versed than I to to speak on like '90s fashion. Well, the baby tee was a huge thing. Though. Okay, um, I do remember that they were highly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it, yeah, they were they were very popular. You know, it, it's the the female equivalent of of the man's logo tee. 
Right. I mean, that's what they're called, right? The, I suppose it, just the t-shirt the with just t-shirt some with random shit on it. The t-shirt with the graphic, yeah. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, form-fitting and oh, that sounds revealing. Terrible. and It's just so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember overalls being big for a while. Really? Not for guys. For girls. For I remember girls. that being a thing. Oh, um... Which I guess was just, yes. like, a really good excuse to, like, not have to wear, like, actual pants. But then you'd have to go to the bathroom in overalls, which means that you're basically undressing you're just, most like, of yourself. Off, yeah. Mm, that's a good I, point. I believe I did have a pair of overalls, but I was that kid that was, like, rolling around in the dirt in them, so it was, like, completely appropriate that I was wearing overalls. I was... You were wearing functional functional overalls. <laughs> yeah. Practical overalls. <laughs> so Daria is predictably downtrodden about the state of things in her new school. And her mother, Helen, who actually still goes unnamed, reminds her you don't want it to be Highland all over again, urging Daria to actually make a friend or two and give folks the benefit of the doubt. So this is one of the very few, if not the only, reference that we'll get to Beavis and Butthead. Yes, Highland is supposed to be in Texas. I think that, yeah, that's Perhaps. the assumption. Yes, and so they've moved from Texas or to from Highland to Lawndale, and... We have no idea where Lawndale is. Right. But the assumption is that Lawndale is probably in the Mid-Atlantic region. Yes. I don't think that... I don't think we get that from... It does get hit by a hurricane at one point. Okay. This is a couple years away. So, if it's getting hit by a hurricane, it's probably not the Midwest. Right. Um... The assumption is that it is on the kind of eastern seaboard, mid-Atlantic states. I think Glenn Eichler at one point kind of hinted to it being around like Maryland, Baltimore, somewhere around that area. But in this episode, we have no idea. It's right. Just, it's just know, Lawndale. Lawndale. This is a new place, suburbs, high school, you mm-hmm. know, nothing particularly descriptive. A phone call interrupts dinner, and Helen answers. The school-administered psychological exam revealed Daria needs to take a special class for her, quote, low self-esteem. So the reaction that Daria's parents have here, yes, Helen and Jake have, uh, to Daria's low self-esteem is to browbeat her. Yes, they, they jump <laughs> on her How could it. you have low self-esteem when we tell you you're amazing all uh, the time? Is, yeah, she like slams the table, Helen slams the table and says, what's wrong with you? <laughs> But she does that immediately after berating Jake for doing the same thing. Yes. Because he looks at her and goes, that really stinks, Daria. <laughs> we'll see this over and over again. This is the second time we're seeing it now. These are parents that are kind of lost. Like, they just have no idea how to do any of this parenting thing. Well, Helen is trying. I, I mean... I- to some extent, because when she answers the phone... And she gets the call from what I assume is a counselor or someone with the school. She says, like, is this something I have to handle or can my assistant do it? Right. She's being established as the working mom here. Yeah. She's a successful woman in the workplace. Yeah. She's an extremely successful lawyer. Perhaps not so much. Yeah. Um, But she's trying. And and what I say, when I say she's trying, she has this moment where she's telling Daria that, like, you have to not be so judgmental. Mm. Um, You don't want it to be Highland all over again. Right. Um, So don't be judgmental. Give people a chance. She's trying to help Daria. Um, And incidentally, she is also hitting on some of the major themes of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, so, so you know, hitting two birds with one stone there. 
<laughs> I, 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 I think that it's good characterization on Helen's part. Um, where we get to know who she is pretty quickly. Yeah. You say Jake develops as time goes on. The the crappier parts of his character. Everybody in the show, as as with lots of shows, the characters exaggerate more and more as time goes on. I think of Scrubs, how JD goes from being just kind of a aloof, little bit goofy dude in like the very first episode of the first season to by the end he's practically a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. You saw it with like How I Met Your Mother, how Barney goes from just being kind of a womanizing asshole to like maybe a war criminal Whoa. <laughs> who, who also happens to like prey on women at a horrifying rate yikes um you know these these things happen as writers get more comfortable and and you know sometimes as they run out of ideas or they want to explore things a little bit further but right now we're just laying the baseline you yeah. know we have helen as the successful business lady and not as much in the home and Jake as the goofy and aloof dad. I think the moment where Daria says, this is a mistake, I don't have low self-esteem. She says, quote, I have low esteem for everyone else, unquote, (laughs) is probably the best moment of characterization for her. Oh, yeah. It's such a crystal clear look. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Hugely honest. (laughs) Very honest. And yeah, it's just the way that she thinks. So, you know, here we go. Here we are moving forward. (laughs) Right, right. And I believe that that I have low esteem for everybody else is like the line that you would see printed on stickers and backpacks and stuff like that. Makes sense. Yeah. So moving on to the self-esteem class. So in the self-esteem class, uh, Mr. O'Neill, who goes unnamed even though it's written on the board, uh, is delivering one of those realize your actuality talks. Daria, bored and doodling, interrupts to ask exactly what realizing your actuality means, to which Mr. O'Neill responds by asking her to just let him get through the lesson. (laughs) He has no idea what he's doing. (laughs) he's trying so hard, though. He just... He really wants this to work because he just needs to... Well, Jane says he has the entire thing memorized. Yeah. He, he doesn't know what realizing your actuality means because <laughs> it is a stupid buzz phrase. Because somebody wrote it like 15 years ago yeah. and it's just in this book that he has. <laughs> and you know, he has the same thing on the board every time we see that classroom. <laughs> he just doesn't erase it because he... <laughs> it's up there. It's staying up there. He doesn't have to think about it again. <laughs> there is the fact that he just doesn't know anybody's name. Yeah. Right? He doesn't recognize Jane. <laughs> That's something worth... <laughs> Even though Jane has been in that class many times. Six times. She's six taken the course times. six times. She's seen enough to know that he knows everything like the back of his hand. Yes. The one thing he doesn't have memorized... Are the kids' names. Which would really help their self-esteem, don't you think? Maybe a little. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I sympathize for him. You know, as a teacher, it's really difficult to memorize all of those names, but... I think you would probably, like, pull out the big guns a little bit for the self-esteem class. You would think so. In terms of trying to make sure that you remember all their names. Yes. Daria is advised by her classmate Jane, who has taken the course six times, to just sit back and enjoy the downtime. On their walk home, uh, with the offspring's I Choose playing in the background, Jane explains how the course will break down over the coming weeks. Uh, She reveals that she could pass the class easily, but chooses to stick around. Daria arrives home to find that Helen has taken the day off to help her with her self-esteem issues, 
And her version of that is taking Daria shopping for work attire. Absolutely. <laughs> so so Jane's comment when they're walking that uh, she likes having low self-esteem, she says it makes me feel special, is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it really, I think, encapsulates the attitude, um, that time period, that Gen X-driven media of the 90s. Yeah, like, that sort of like weaponized lack of confidence. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a misfit, so I have power. Um, which is totally I'm a misfit, and so is everybody else in my, in my generation. Right. We're all misfits. There is a novel that came out in the late 80s called Geek Love by Catherine Dunn, and it follows a family of carnival freaks. And, and this is actually a really popular novel in the grunge scene mm. um, in the early 90s. Um, so you actually get to see a lot of carnival imagery in music videos and stuff at that time period. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, so this idea of being a freak, of being a misfit, is really just entrenched in the early 90s. Oh, man. Boom. I have nothing to say to that. That's so good. It's a fantastic book. I love that book. Everybody read that book. <laughs> I forgot that the term geek originated from... From carnivals. Yeah, yeah. from carnies. Yeah, so that geek was the the person that would rip the heads off of chickens with their teeth for entertainment. All sorts of weirdness. That's so good. Oh, you mentioned... So they're drawing... Is it Daria and Jane are both drawing? No, it's just, it Dar- just Daria. Daria's doodling. Right. And you made this point, and this is... <laughs> She's doodling Mr. O'Neill as an ice cream cone. Yes. That's being licked by dogs. Yes. Yes. So what I'm wondering is, is a cartoon that's doodled within a cartoon the equivalent of, like, photorealism? It has to be, right? I mean, is, is this like a really freakish thing to pick <laughs> up? <laughs> it's a great point. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's, it's a great point that's relevant to nothing, but it's super fascinating to me. Well, the doodle's not to the level of the Daria an- animation, so, so perhaps not photorealism. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's still it's a still, cartoon. Yeah. There's an episode coming up where we're going to see... Uh, a drawing by Jane of like an actual person and we're going to see lo- through lots of Jane's art over the coming years like it it does have a, a, an entirely different quality to it like the stuff that Jane draws looks completely different from everything else in the show oh that's interesting yeah okay. so I guess I guess like is so when she's drawing like realistic people do they look like cartoons to the cartoons? We ask the existential questions yeah. here. These are the at important things. <laughs> we started this podcast specifically to educate ourselves and others on things that don't matter whatsoever. And we're doing really well. Yes. Back at school, Daria and Jane are on their way to class when they walk by Quinn, who's being hit on by a random dude. Uh, As usual. Yep, yep, that's the norm. Uh, Daria reveals to Jane that Quinn's her sister, uh, only to immediately hear Quinn tell the random dude that she's an only child. Ouch. Yeah, woof. Woof. (laughs) What a 90s thing to say. (laughs) I'm in the moment. Or I'm just old. Uh, So this is... Not arguing that. (laughs) Perfect. 
So Quinn's refusal to admit that Daria is her sister is going to be kind of a, a running theme throughout the rest of the show. Uh, and I did not realize that it started right here. But Daria takes it pretty damn personally here. Oh yeah, which is interesting. So Quinn's never pulled this before that she knows of? I guess not. I didn't think of that. How popular do you think Quinn was at her last school? I think she was popular. Yeah. She just has that kind of attitude that yeah. she's, she's going to be popular. Yeah, no she just expects what. it. It just happens. Yeah. Maybe maybe now that they've moved to a new place, you know, they haven't grown up in this mm-hmm. town, she says, here's my opportunity yeah. to completely divorce myself that, from this family. It's that college thing of, yes. like, everybody on their first day of college is, like, a brand new person than who they were yes. back in high school. All right. And Quinn's version of that is, I have no sister. <laughs> In self-esteem class, Mr. O'Neill assigns a project wherein each student is supposed to turn their daydream into a reality. Uh, At dinner that night, Daria confronts Quinn about the only child remark, but her parents kind of rush right by it in an effort to find out more about what's going on in Mr. O'Neill's class. Daria's interpretation of Mr. O'Neill's project is to tell her family she wants to go to Pizza Forest, the local Chuck E. Cheese stand-in. They react with horror, but they play along anyway. And we see the family, presumably the next night, uh, at Pizza Forest. They are miserable. And Daria is stoked. This place is terrifying. Yeah, it is. Oh, wow. It's like a Bavarian Chuck E. Cheese. No, I don't I don't even know if Chuck E. Cheese is the right equivalent for this. It, I think that the connection that I drew there is just between pizza and large woodland creatures. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's it, about it, though. It's totally... Because you know, this is a level of horror beyond that. Yeah, so we have... The singers uh, at this restaurant are dressed as woodland creatures. Yes. We've got like a beaver and a chipmunk or something like that, <laughs> and and they're all you know they're all carrying instruments and singing, and it's oh. going table to table too. Oh, it is the stuff of nightmares. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> and they're really they're super enthusiastic about it. Yes, they are. These are They're the f- trying so hard to get those tips. <laughs> so it's like these guys and Mr. O'Neill are the first adults we've seen who are actively trying. Yes. <laughs> but well we don't know that they're adults. Actually, in yeah, those that's costumes. a good point. We don't know that they're adults. <laughs> but they're very enthusiastically singing row, row, row your boat. <laughs> and yeah, it is terrifying. They got Daria to sing along. Yes, well, Daria's in this. <laughs> she's, she is committed. She's in it to win it. <laughs> uh, but this place is... <laughs> she, yeah. She's happy as a clam because this Everyone's is going... Ex- suffering. Yeah, this is going exactly how she wanted it to go. Yes. So my question is, if they've moved... Yes. From Highland to, to Longdale... And they're going to Pizza Forest, which is a childhood memory. Mm-hmm. Could they actually be closer to Highland than we thought? Either or is this or a it's chain? just a chain. Okay. I think it would it would almost have to be. Yeah. There's no way that this particular monstrosity doesn't end up getting backing and just becoming a huge thing. Yes. Or else, you know, it's just the one restaurant and withers and dies. Right. <laughs> it either explodes or it's just completely, it gets washed out immediately. Yes. <laughs> okay. All 
right. So we're sticking with it's a chain, and they're actually pretty far away. Man, that's such a good point, though. Yeah, if it's a childhood memory, then... It's got to be a chain. It has to be. Okay. Either that or they they came to they came to the city of Lawndale, the town of Lawndale, specifically for its pizza forest. I don't think they would do that. <laughs> they were like, we need to move. Where are we going to move? Remember that place that had a pizza forest 500 miles away? That's like the one thing I look for when I'm moving to a new town. Proximity to pizza forest. Does it have a pizza forest? It's their Wawa. It's... How quickly can I well, get to Wawa a pizza Well, Wawa is really important. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly so is a pizza bar. <laughs> at, dinner, at dinner, Jake opens up by asking her what she learned in, in school that day and calls her kiddo. When Daria tells Jake that being addressed with childish epithets like kiddo is at the root of her low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And That's he's a great like, moment. yeah, he's like, really? Oh no, <laughs> I've done everything wrong. It is a great moment, though. I mean, it's it's a great feminist moment mm-hmm. for for Daria. I mean, women are constantly being addressed with childish epithets, you know, baby and honey, sweetheart, sweetheart. Yeah. yeah, and like, how does that not affect a person's self esteem and sense of of self and how they hold themselves in the world? Right. Right. You know, her pointing that out like really hits home <laughs> for for me you know viewing this at this time I don't I think it really would have just flown over my head when I was younger though right and who knows I don't know, maybe I would have heard it when I was younger and thought yeah 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 I'm sick of being called kiddo I'm sick of being called kiddo hun whatever <laughs> address me as stormageddon dark lord of all <laughs> no, Doctor Who? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Next day, Dari and Jane are at the Lane residence listening to Spit by NY Loose during commercials because they have Six Sad World on the television. Uh, and the television is on a like a milk cart. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a, yeah, Jane Jane's room is, is kind of a it's a mishmash of a bunch of different things and it in some ways it's a tribute to minimalism did you notice the skull with the candle on top of it yeah behind the television yeah that's the we never I feel like quite... i would be friends with jane yes yeah. <laughs> i had i had a crush on jane growing up it's kind of that like she's not goth but she takes in enough of the trappings she's an artist yeah yeah she's right? an artist Death and sex, it's, you know, that's art. <laughs> I feel like there's so many things you can just kind of explain away by like, eh, she's an artist. What are you going to do? So Six Ad World is covering a local UFO convention. This version of Six Ad World looks completely different from the versions that we're going to see in the future. Uh, Six Ad World becomes kind of a, kind of a just like a quick joke delivery thing between scenes. So this kind of, this interview program, this looks like an actual quote-unquote actual kind of newscast like here's just some really weird stuff i'm your anchor you know who's totally normal right talking to all (laughs) these bizarre people i think that having the episode of six ad world airing on our daria episode thematically fits Mm -hmm. um we have an episode that's about um, self-esteem and social misfits and um and then we have on the six ad world of the UFO convention where they're interviewing what's Artie. the guy's Artie 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 um, who is just he's 
He's just living his life. Yes. He's just doing his thing. He's being arty. <laughs> the aliens have, you know, pressed his pants. He did a good job. <laughs> um, so, so we have, like, the weirdos at the UFO convention living their life. Um, <laughs> but also we have the... What is it? The the blind, deaf old man. Yes. The blind and deaf old man who had affairs with the entire royal family. Yes. <laughs> Because it must, how, how did he do it? It must be his high self-esteem, right? He's, he's just got that kind of confidence. He's got that kind of swagger. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I think that the the six ad world within the episode is, the episode within the episode is, mm-hmm. is doing work. Oh, yeah. You know, it's nice to see <laughs> the narrative level. Daria suggests to Jane that they actually put effort into passing the self-esteem class, uh, since Jane already has all the answers. And the next day at school, the duo talk to Mr. O'Neill after their self-esteem class and ask to take the graduation test. He notes that they've only been in the class for one of the four required weeks, but they flatter him into giving the test anyway, and they pass with flying colors. Uh, Mr. O'Neill's thrilled, and Daria and Jane's plan backfires when he tells them he wants to announce their progress in front of the entire school at an assembly. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> <That's bad. laughs> it's it's just so ill-informed on his part. Why would he think that people who tested into this class for having we're told low that self-esteem took a, took a psychological exam? Yes. And then we're told that they needed to take this class and then struggled their way through it. Well, these two didn't clearly, <laughs> but then got through it. And then immediately, like, all right, well, we're just going to throw you to the wolves. Right. So for Mr. O'Neill, who seems like a sensitive guy, how Hmm. insensitive does he have to be (laughs) to put these girls on stage in front of a school assembly? Right? He's he's a paradox, this man. He is. He very much is. (laughs) Well, the... the, um, And a great example of that is... Uh, right before he dismisses the rest of the class, before Jane, before Jane and Daria go up to meet him, he dismisses the rest of the class after giving them an assignment. And the assignment was like, "Please write a, you know, please write a short essay about, you know, what it would be like if you weren't here." And one of the students asks him, like, "Does that mean if we never been born, or if we died suddenly and unexpectedly?" <laughs> and he gives him this like smile and a thumbs up, and he's like, "Never been born." <laughs> It's such a great little moment for for Mr. O'Neill, and it's it it is it's that paradox of like you have all a you have the delivery, you've got the the attitude, you're trying, but you got some blind spots. Yeah, you got. <laughs> Good old Mr. O'Neill. Oh, I lo- I love him so much. I can't I can't wait for some of the moments we're gonna have with him down the line. But man, never been born is really it's up there. Yes. <laughs> What do you think of the exam to get out of the self-esteem class being like four questions long? Well, he cuts it short. So it's not actually four questions long. He just says that they've done so well so far that he doesn't need to go any further. Um, but, okay, so, so then but, what do we think of that? <laughs> I mean, if this is a class that is focused on mental health Mm -hmm. then that is completely irresponsible (laughs) (laughs) but and this is something i want to talk about later you know i don't think that this class is actually about mental health no um you know this whole self-esteem thing uh, you know the canned responses that that are given for uh for the exam it's just 
you know, it's a bunch of like self-help buzzwords and just kind of thrown you know, together positive affirmations and you know things like it stands that. Stands proudly and says, "I am right." How, what what does that mean? <laughs> and she confronts that, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about this this later, where Daria like directly confronts that. It's like it's her very first reaction yeah. in the class is okay. Like you just said that, but what are you saying? Yeah. And the answer is, I just want to get through this. Just let me, through just this. Let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the nice man's soothing voice. <laughs> <laughs> It is a soothing voice, though. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a bunch of baloney, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I, and I, I mean, maybe Mr. O'Neill just understands this on some level, and so he's just like, okay, yeah. But I, I mean, he's not delivering that way. No. Um, so it just comes off as completely irresponsible. And and so here we have another character, another adult character that is just horrifying in their own way (laughs) probably the least horrifying we've met but still like but if i had a child in that class who actually had you know mental health issues you know had low self-esteem whatever the hell that means oh this Um, would be criminal (laughs) yeah yeah if my if my if my child was like suicidal Mm. you know and we're in that class and they get that assignment you know never been born or died suddenly and unexpectedly that would be the stuff of that would put up some flags yeah you'd have some questions Uh uh-huh absolutely (laughs) like are you asking them to indulge in their fantasy here because that's what that boy seems like he seems really excited about that yeah yeah (laughs) He was like, are you saying, like, never been born or died suddenly and unexpectedly? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so so Mr. O'Neill comes off as nice guy, but maybe not the person that I want teaching my child. No. You know? At the assembly, uh, Ms. Lee introduces Mr. O'Neill, who botches an automotive analogy while discussing the importance of self-esteem. Uh, he invites Daria and Jane to the podium. Jane, apparently looking to impress Daria, notes the danger of putting someone with low self-esteem in front of their entire school to talk about their problems. She says, in, in my dreams, I'm I'm wearing pink taffeta. <laughs> Everybody has that dream, right? <laughs> You've missed your entire semester of math class, and now you're sitting at the exam. <laughs> you come to school with no clothes on. Wearing pink taffeta. Yes, she's got pink taffeta. <laughs> she runs off, Mr. O'Neill not far behind. Calling her Daria, chasing after her. (laughs) Daria, left alone at the podium, thanks Quinn, who is sitting in the audience being bored by two random dudes, and outs her as her sister. Quinn is, of course, horrified. Yeah, okay, so there's a lot to say about this scene. Okay. I know you haven't been through the beat by beat fully here yet, but there's, there's so much to say. First of all, and this is minor, the animation when Jane freaks out... At the podium. She does this little, like, squiggly thing. Yeah. Um, it's just not in the same style as the rest of the show. Yeah. And it's completely distracting and weird. Uh, it kind of looks like she's a Peanuts character. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it gets the point across where she, you know, she has a meltdown in front of a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she, in fact, does have low self-esteem. But... 
I don't know, it, like, the inconsistency in the animation, and it's just not who I think of Jane her as a actively, character. Her actively trying to impress Daria and being, like, really showy uh-huh. in it is a little weird. Uh-huh, um, yeah. It's kind of a neat moment where she she initially says, you know, she initially delivers a very Jane speech where she's just kind of talking about how... I forget exactly what she, she says. She says something like... I couldn't have done this without having self-esteem or something. I can't remember. Yeah. When she looks over to Daria and Daria is just kind of Daria. Mm-hmm. You know, super unimpressed with everything ever. And then Jane immediately jumps into that more performative. So you think that you think that Jane is trying to impress Daria? I don't, I'm not sure if it if it's specifically like, I want this person to like me. I think it's very much a... Let's have some fun with this uh-huh. kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, Jane doesn't strike me as the kind of person that really is looking for the approval of others, mm-hmm. um, you know, even her friends, right? So far. I mean, I don't really know her that well yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm None a of few us episodes do. in. <laughs> but she, she strikes me as pretty strong. And, you know, that quip that she had about liking having low self-esteem because it made her feel special is incredibly self-aware mm-hmm. so you know when she gets up in in front of you know this audience and has this meltdown it, it just strikes me as like the tone is off somehow like i i feel like this is a moment that i want to forget about jane you know? <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a little odd especially for the extremely subdued version of jane that we get in this you know in this opening Mm -hmm. episode where she and daria are very much two of the same character uh through a lot of this episode they both have that monotone voice they both just kind of sarcasm 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 i mean they become really fast friends oh yeah yeah well i mean they're the same person (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and i think that even in the next episode we we start to see the differences between their personalities in this pilot, it's very much these two are you know two halves of the same coin. That's a fair right point. up until that that point where because Daria would never do this. Daria does her version of it when she goes and outs Quinn, but you couldn't see her doing like that squeaky wail and then running off the stage. Right, Daria is getting revenge. This isn't a meltdown for her. Right. So that that's a fair point. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they develop as separate people mm-hmm. moving forward. There, in continuing my um, my soft spot for Quinn, <laughs> I can't. Wait. I want to see how long this lasts. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it probably won't last long. Um, but you know, in in the audience during this assembly, Quinn is surrounded by two guys and. And they're the worst kind of people ever. They're just yep. got this, like, they're telling bad jokes. Uh, like, really bad jokes. The one is, like... And laughing at themselves. Laughing at their yeah. jokes. They're not funny. And and Quinn, they're telling jokes and, and they're like, Quinn, did you hear me? Ha, ha, ha. And repeats the joke. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, real funny. Ha, ha, ha. Real funny. And, like, <laughs> and that pacifies him. And I'm just yeah. like... Oh, come on, Quinn. Come on. You know he's not funny. He's probably not even that good looking in cartoon world. <laughs> Why are you putting up with this? <laughs> well, this is this is this is maybe the first example that we have of, of Quinn kind of sacrificing like cuz she gets portrayed 
and and I think we mentioned this in, in our pilot episode where she ends up being portrayed as significantly smarter and more competent than most of the people she surrounds herself with. Mm-hmm. And that's the sacrifice she makes to be popular. And I guess this is kind of the first instance we get of that yeah. where she's very clearly bored by these two idiots like she has no interest in them whatsoever and, and in part she is just trying to get him to shut up so she can hear what her sister yeah. is saying because she knows that her sister might be about to drop a bomb on her. yes absolutely and and she's right of course but, but yeah it's one of those moments where i'm like come on quinn you can do better than this <laughs> You know, Daria says uh, Quinn has forgotten more about self-esteem than Daria has ever learned, which is a fantastic line. Yeah, I was going to say, that if that if that is done on purpose, which I, I really, really, really hope it is because it's absolutely brilliant. It's it, it, so it, well done. It has done. to be done on purpose. This is... You know, it's it's very pointed. Right. And it's, it's one of the only lines that we actually hear from Daria's very long droning speech. <laughs> Back at home for dinner, Helen and Jake are thrilled Daria did something so sweet as to thank her sister. Daria weaponizes her parents' guilt yet again to convince her family to go to the UFO convention. We cut to credits, and of course, Splendora's You're Standing on My Neck. Again, Quinn <laughs> at the UFO convention <laughs> is approached by Artie in this really uncomfortable interaction. <laughs> He's like, You're cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna um, see so little of Artie throughout the series but he's so when he's there he's really just going for it yeah yeah so I mean he, he tells Quinn what she knows <laughs> but, but she's like I'm gonna go hide in the bathroom <laughs> like her self esteem is shot here right I mean she's like how, how well, she's did so I land completely out of her element yeah how did I end up here and I really hope no one sees me right <laughs> which is what Daria is hoping happens of course um, but it, it's really interesting that by the end of this episode we have Daria flying high mm-hmm. and Quinn is hiding in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> she, she's gotten her revenge yeah yeah absolutely so that it, it's satisfying on that level oh totally these are the very first examples we're getting of Daria just actively working to make her family miserable yes uh, to get some form of revenge for how miserable that they make her Alright, so that's our beat by beat. Uh, So let's dig into some cultural context. So let's talk about the self-esteem class. At first, I thought the concept of a high school self-esteem class seemed way ahead of its time for 1997. But then I listened to the canned responses that Daria and Mm -hmm. Jane were giving during their exam, and I realized that this class material had very little to do with mental health. Yeah. And more to do with... Something else. <laughs> so it's actually uh, very much a product of, of the late 80s and early 90s when like self-esteem was the new big secret to living a better and, and more fulfilled life. Um, so there's this, uh, this really great article from The Cut written by Jesse Single. It's called How the Self-Esteem Craze Took Over America, which we'll have a link to it in the show notes. It's a um, really good read. Yeah, it's a very good read. It details this California-based movement that... Uh, sort of posited that 
uh, increasing folk self-esteem was the way to cure all these societal ills from from crime to pollution. So the leader of this movement was politician John Vasconcelos. Did I say that right? I hope so. (laughs) Sorry, John, if I didn't get it right. I'm pretty sure John's dead. I think he'll be okay with it. Because he didn't have enough (laughs) self-esteem. He didn't have enough self-esteem and it killed him. Oh, man. So, so this politician, he put together the California Task Force to Promote Self-Esteem and Personal and Social Responsibility. That is the entire title of this, of this task force. That is the C-T-F-P-S-E-P-S-R. Can you remember that? <laughs> well, this task force received actual money... <laughs> actual money $245,000 per year to do quote unquote quote research unquote, yeah. and solve the world's problems with self esteem um, <laughs> yeah eventually the social scientists including Roy Baumeister the man whose work Vasconcelos actually based his movement on these social scientists were like whoa 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 wait a minute uh <laughs> There's only a correlation between high self-esteem and positive reactions to adversity. It's not a proven cause and effect. Mm. Um, It's really much more complicated than that. (laughs) Which is a conversation that you would think that they would have wanted to have earlier. Yeah. And really, you know, these social scientists were looking at, at the research that the task force was doing and like there's nothing here there's right. there's not any real research so so they're like let's let's put a stop to this <laughs> well, let's, let's hold <laughs> let's, our horses <laughs> hold on a minute i mean this is what happens with research right i mean mm-hmm. it, it gets co-opted and blown out of proportion um and you know by the time that these scientists had, had stepped up the movement had already taken off uh, and reached schools across the country. Um, Which, and, of course. Of course, yes. <laughs> and and we both experienced this self-esteem movement yep. unknowingly. Yeah, unknowingly. Because it wasn't... I never remember self-esteem is... Like, I never remember specific classes in school dedicated to teaching us self-esteem. I remember activities about self-esteem. Yeah, it was peppered into health classes and, yeah. and dare... Right. Right. I do remember the koosh ball exercise that the author, Jesse Single, mentions in the article, mm-hmm. uh, where you toss a koosh ball. I mean, koosh ball itself is something isolated That's, in that time yeah, period. Yeah, so perfectly 90s. Yes. Um, so you toss a koosh ball to somebody and pay them a compliment. <laughs> um, the most contrived th- you know, exercise ever. Not only was it incredibly awkward (laughs) it was counterproductive for me because i have terrible aim (laughs) so it was less an exercise in in self-esteem boosting and more of an exercise in humiliation (laughs) there you have it (laughs) really counterproductive (laughs) Uh, so one of the more crystallized memories i have of early grade school was fourth grade in Ms. Lentini's class. Uh, Mrs. Lentini brought my parents in for like a little mini conference that I was sitting in on, which is weird in retrospect. But she told my parents that I had low self-confidence and that uh, this was readily apparent to her and that the secret to my 
doing better in school and, and, and really excelling and being as smart and as productive as I could be or that I needed to have more self-confidence. Hmm. Uh, so the the meeting was just about your confidence. Pretty much. <laughs> huh. Um, wow. Yeah. Like, I didn't think I was that much of a void of it. Like, <laughs> I don't think I was, like, sucking in people around me. But, I mean, to, to some extent, she was absolutely right. Like, I didn't have a whole lot of self-confidence. I still don't have a lot of self-confidence. I don't know if that's how But I now you it. mask it in self-deprecating humor, so. Yeah. And it works. <laughs> and now I have a podcast. Um, but it, that being one of the few memories that kind of sticks out in my mind with regard to early grade school is is kind of telling uh, because you know we were immersed in that kind of philosophy even if we didn't realize it. So you know, given that that would have been somewhere around ninety five, ninety six, like I don't think it's ridiculous to say that you know it was coming right on the heels of of that craze. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Um, and much like this episode, like this episode was probably being written and developed in 1996. Um, did you want to say something about the social media? So what the article does point out is that our generation, you know, that grew up kind of in the wake of this movement uh, and the generation coming after us are, you know, for better or worse, they're more confident in themselves. Uh, and obviously, you know, that can lead to a lot of great things. It can also lead to just a lot of intolerable people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> yeah. I think that one of the things that we forget about the term self-esteem is is the root of it, like estimation. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, how does an individual estimate their worth? Uh, and I think that, you know, the result I, of that self-esteem... I underestimate some people overestimate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that, that uh, the result of that self-esteem movement is you know we have quite a few people <laughs> quite a few people who maybe overestimate their worth um or you know That's... maybe <laughs> maybe everybody else just isn't taking inflation into account That's i don't such know a savage way to put that i've <laughs> got a lot of people who are overestimating their worth <laughs> it's a great point though and we see that kind of borne out in and sort of playing alongside the growth and advent of social media mm -hmm. where everybody all of a sudden everybody is both audience and performer and it really messes with you to some extent like some people are just not natural performers and they don't want to be put into that light but social media makes them go into that light and so uh, you know the ones who are natural performers they look like their life is great yeah and, and it makes everybody else kind of feel like shit yeah <laughs> like they have a lot to live up to and you kind of forget that what is on the screen is, is just a performance you know it, it's uh, there's there's a lot of filters and <laughs> you know there's a lot that goes into and just like a whole roll of digital film that goes into it you know <laughs> before they pick that one selfie <laughs> um, it really does mess with the person's it messes uh, with the person's self-esteem self yeah <laughs> Sense of self, right? Uh, estimation of their self worth. Yes. We still have we still have issues with help. We still have issues with helping people realize their self worth. We still have issues with helping people recognize that they might have issues with self esteem or self confidence. Yeah. Um, because even though our lives are more public than ever, there's still a very private. I hesitate to say suffering, but it's still a very private problem. Not having self confidence. 
Yeah, we're still struggling to figure out ways in its school uh, and in workplace uh, to to reach out to people who who are having issues like actual like real mental health issues you know not just feeling down that day right you know (laughs) um and this is evidence of course with you know the myriad school shootings and you know how do we deal with people with mental health issues uh, who also have access to guns right and how do we protect ourselves with that and Mm -hmm. that's kind of getting off on a tangent but but i think that i think that you know the self-esteem movement was trying to tackle these problems to a certain extent but they couched it in the language of self-esteem and that's that self-help lingo yeah Uh, and you know when they were giving academic assistance you know it was in the name of self-esteem it wasn't you know an established academic assistance program and uh the self-esteem movement didn't really provide those resources that indicate to an individual that they are in fact worthwhile right Mm -hmm. Uh, so not non-judgmental academic guidance food assistance right um counseling and psychiatric care i mean i think some of the kids that were in daria's self-esteem class would have really benefited from some counseling sessions right um died suddenly and never been born kid yes (laughs) yeah um so it seems that that self-esteem movement had a big blind spot um when it comes to its own privilege right? right And that's something that the author Jesse Single does talk about in his article. It's almost inevitable that a person who is not doing well in school, that a person who is struggling at home or a person of color or a person with a disability, they would estimate their worth as low if systemically they're being told and treated as... As if they have a lower worth. Yes, exactly. Um, So this made me wonder... How much is the Staria episode, Esteemsters, really doing to criticize that deeply flawed aspect of the movement? Right. So I think the episode uh, goes out of its way to, to criticize the movement. I think between the that nonsense test that Daria kind of blows off and, and, and forces her to end up in the self-esteem class in the first place, uh, I think you know the absurdity of the class itself. Uh, the writers have definitely carved out a stance that this stuff is just crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I think they drop the ball a bit is on the other side of things. Like if Daria doesn't need this class to understand the value of self-esteem, where is she getting hers from? Like, what is she placing her self-worth in? Does she need to place it in anything? You know, she she obviously gets a kick out of out of dropping witty lines and and you know engaging in this sarcastic back and forth pretty much everywhere she goes but we never really see that connection fully drawn out mm-hmm. so you, th- you you think it's more of a character issue than a larger commentary issue to some extent yeah i think i think they i think the writers said what they wanted to say about the self-esteem classes and stuff like that and the self-esteem movement mm-hmm. uh, where i think they fell short was actually discussing like you know how does this reflect on the character of daria we see how she interacts with the self-esteem artifice we don't see how self-esteem actually does impact her as a real thing Mm -hmm. that everybody has or doesn't have yeah yeah i think that that daria's self-esteem does come from her cleverness to a certain extent i mean Mm -hmm. she says she has high self-esteem or she 
has self-esteem. She says she doesn't have low self-esteem. She doesn't have low self-esteem, right. She has low esteem for everybody else. Yes. <laughs> so, so that cleverness and, and the smarts that we witness in history class, you know, they all contribute to her self-esteem. And here's 2018 Nissa speaking, but like, <laughs> let's remember that Daria is also an upper middle class suburban white girl. Yep. Right? yep. And, you know, despite her wardrobe and her attitude, she's operating from this place of privilege. Yeah. And, you, I mean, maybe she's aware of it to a certain extent, and probably in later episodes, we're going to get more commentary on race and class, right? But, I mean, she values herself highly enough that that she thinks she uh, is worth standing in front of the school assembly for what five minutes to drone <laughs> on, uh, you know, for her own personal revenge on her sister. So, you know, I mean, who does that? <laughs> I mean, that said, I don't think that the episode really had these issues of of that systemic privilege. And oppression or whatever in in mind when creating the episode. I think they're they're taking some shots at the self esteem movement and yeah. and moving on. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done with that yeah. one. <laughs> I I mean I think that 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 one moment during Six Ad World that I mentioned where the blind and deaf old man is being interviewed and you know he's had the affairs with the royal family and mm-hmm. you know how does he do it <laughs> uh, you know i think that that is in keeping with you know the thematic material of the episode so it's doing work but but it's really subtle yeah. right it's yeah. it's super subtle and if the show wanted to do some some more straightforward commentary that would be more obvious to a young audience then Right. Uh, then maybe the people in the self-esteem class would be a little more varied. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you it know? is pretty... Uh... You know, maybe have some people of color, people with disabilities. I mean, that, that kid has, like, really thick glasses. I don't know if he... <laughs> that know, doesn't count. That doesn't has count. some kind of vision issue, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, there, there would be some diversity that, you know, would point and say, hey, the system of this... Uh, the psychological exam is uh, pointing out that these people are are different and naturally would have lower self esteem because the right. system is you know it just you know, wouldn't be a w- bunch of white kids yeah sitting. a bunch of white kids you know the, yeah. the teens from <laughs> damn it <laughs> it wouldn't just be teens from the island of misfit toys mm. I think it's interesting looking looking at this episode as you know, a grown woman in 2018 rather than teenage girl in 1997 mm-hmm. uh, because a whole slew of things has happened in our world since then and right. we have just you know not just awareness from age but a cultural awareness that that really makes this episode look old <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time you know it, it, it is really relevant and it's interesting in that respect yeah and i think um you know both with this episode and and you know the stuff that we'll see going forward there's a lot that the show lampoons or points out or just straight calls out for it being garbage that still very much does apply today you know in terms of you know we mentioned in the pilot episode in terms of of race and class and and sex and identity and, and all these you know different things that you know there's still problems 
and you know 20 years ago this cartoon on MTV was saying like no that's crap this is terrible you know we should change these things and more people should have listened to Daria more people should have listened to Daria <laughs> more people should listen to Daria podcast <laughs> Okay, let's rank the episode. Yay! <laughs> How do you think that this episode, Esteemsters, holds up as a first episode? I think it's a solid pilot. I think you, you get everything you need in terms of the relationships between characters to know kind of where they stand and where things are going to stand going forward. Obviously, we still have characters we're going to meet. There's still, you know, there are still dynamics to be explored, and, and these characters are going to evolve over time, but watching a episode or watching season five daria and going back to this you can still see all of all the things like all those threads that kind of got pulled out and explored over those five seasons you know a lot of them start here i've said a bunch of times throughout this podcast like i can't believe that actually started all the way back at this point so if you were to imagine yourself watching this for the first time mm -hmm. would you continue watching it yeah. Why? Yeah, probably. Because it's... And, and we mentioned this in our, our pilot episode. Like, this protagonist is so... Specifically for her time, was so unique. Uh, and was, was such a breath of fresh air. Just in terms of what we were normally seeing on television. Mm -hmm. She's part of that push in the late 90s that we had for you know, female-driven shows. You know, <laughs> Buffy and Charmed. And... I, think, I think, narratively speaking, Daria comes off as an interesting character mm -hmm. i mean she's she's active right she spends the entire episode navigating you know the shitty high school and <laughs> look and looking for revenge on her sister mm -hmm. um very similar to the pilot episode where she's looking for revenge on, on kevin. kevin yeah um here we see that the focus is between these two sisters instead of between you know different cliques um you know guy right. and girl um so we've got focus more on on the women in the show so you know i like to see her as that active character so i mean i if i were watching this for the first time without without having a podcast to do <laughs> i would i would watch more daria do you think that this ranks higher than the pilot i think so <laughs> i think so i think i got I think I got more of a kick out of that unaired pilot than I really expected to. Sealed no with pun a kick. intended. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. Uh, I think I enjoyed that uh, more than more than I thought I would. Looking back on it, but I think this as a oh now now you got me thinking about it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I rank this above the unaired pilot. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Where, where do you stand on is it? Is the unaired pilot going to come out on top? The unaired pilot. <laughs> the best episode of Daria. <laughs> I don't know. As much as I would love the pilot to come out on top, because, I mean, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, I think that this this is more of um, a solidified vision of what Daria will be. It's much more refined. Yes. I mean, which you're going to get when you have like this storyboard pilot. An actual budget. Yeah. You have an actual budget. You have color, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you have more characters. Um, I think that, that because it is uh, more fleshed out, 
I have to put it above the pilot. Okay. Um, okay. I think thematically it's doing some interesting things. You know, it's it's on point um, even with smaller details like the sad, uh, the six sad world um, with Helen's com- with Helen's advice to her daughter mm-hmm. um, with the UFO convention, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you have so- some iconic lines in there. You have you know your introduction to these characters who are going to be with us you know and define a lot of the series going mm-hmm. forward and, and and as you pointed out and we we established with mr o'neill you know all the adults in this episode are just <laughs> dropping the ball miserable <laughs> so bad um, so there's consistency in in that respect i think the what i would like to see what i think is lacking as what we touched on before is seeing jane's character develop a little bit yeah um so that it, she's separate from daria but there is something kind of cool in seeing how they interact and like they're so comfortable with each other already yeah, immediately yes absolutely and 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 i really like that so i don't know i i guess i would have to put esteemsters over sealed with a kick so the only I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think we... <laughs> I mean, it sounded like I was giving you that one. No, that's... that's uh, I think ultimately, yeah, Steam Search has to go has to go over the unaired pilot. The only thing that I would say uh, in favor of the unaired pilot over a Steamsters, having already lost this argument, I think the unaired pilot goes a little further in pushing sort of the the more feminist ideals of of what will become Daria than this one does. And I think you, maybe that's just oh, because right. maybe that's just because that was not the focus of this particular episode. But if we're going to talk about this thing's quality as or this thing's relative quality as a pilot episode, mm-hmm. it doesn't really touch on feminism beyond like that one kiddo line. Right. Well, or does it? And no, I'm, and I'm I missing it. No, I, okay. I, I think it does. I think it's peppered throughout. I, I mean, we talked about Quinn sitting in, in the audience with those boys. You don't necessarily have to have moments that are super feminist mm-hmm. in order for there to be feminist commentary. Right. And so when, you know, you look at Quinn's conversation with those guys in the assembly through a feminist lens, yield some interesting things. Right. Uh, so there can still be if there there's still that commentary there. It's, it's just not as overt as it was with the unaired pilot. Absolutely. Right. I think that there's a lot of subtle things going on here. Yeah. Um even the fact that your like your two main characters are women. Yeah. Who are smart and capable and outspoken. And you know, they stand out because they're a little weird so of course they have to have low self-esteem <laughs> they must have <laughs> actually and, and to to go again to go all the way back almost to the beginning of the episode when DiMartino is is calling on Daria and he says maybe you think it's unfair to be called on your first day in class and her response isn't like silence or sarcastic remark or anything it's just straight up like excuse me right like, like she she shoots it right back at him like the hell did you just say to me? <laughs> yeah. So I, that's mad attitude. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that moment. So. So it's with, not as overtly feminist, but it's there. Right. Uh, so we are two episodes in to our rankings. Technically mm-hmm. 1.5 episodes, I guess. But. Like 1.2 or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but Esteemsters beats out the unaired pilot for the first of our 
many, many, many deliberations. Hooray! <laughs> Good on you, esteemed stars. Yeah! You, you made it! You made it to the top 50%. <laughs> Alright, so I think that about wraps it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. As always, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We do have a Twitter. It's at Morgan Dorks. Also, please feel free email us with your comments or questions. We'll respond to them on air if we can. I would love to have like sort of a listener email section. Absolutely. Obviously, that requires listener emails. Um, but but I would definitely love to make that a part of because you know as much as this is a discussion between you and I, like I would love for it to be a wider discussion. Like as the as the show goes on, that email address is morgandorks at gmail uh, you can also check out our website, morgandorts.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Uh, we're going to be put together, we're looking at putting together a Patreon in the near future. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We're still kind of figuring out how that might work out. Also, also, please drop us a review on iTunes. That sort of thing is super helpful, especially for new podcasts like ours. Uh, it doesn't just help us go up the rankings and become super famous and make livings off of this. Or maybe just become visible. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It helps us just become... It helps us not be totally anonymous. Please listen to us. Yeah, please. Um, But it also lets us know how we're doing. You know, those ratings are your chances to, you know, say, like, not just give, like, a one through five score, but to say, you know, you can add your own little blurb in there and be like, hey, here's what I like, stuff like that. Um, So if you don't want to email us, you can always let us know through there. Uh, special thanks also to Outpost Daria Reborn for supplying the song list. If you're a Daria fan, you're probably familiar with Outpost Daria already. Uh, it was by far the largest and most complete Daria site on the internet. Uh, and it was taken down back in 2013, but someone decided to rehost the whole thing. Uh, and they've put it up as Outpost Daria Reborn. Uh, can't recommend it enough. It's an absolute treasure trove basically everything you could want from the series is there Uh, including Winamp skins including Winamp skins it's such a beautiful relic (laughs) of its era that it has Winamp skins available Uh, so if you need to skin your Winamp (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) that's all you need to do is just turn the phrase around it becomes gross Uh, so we have the link to that in the show notes you can also google it Um, As always, thank you so much, Nissa. Thank you. No problem. (laughs) And thank you, listeners. Uh, We'll see you again in two weeks for Season 1, Episode 2, The Invitation, here on Morgan Dorks.